Reflections from Torch Trust, focusing on Christian faith and sight loss. Hello and a very warm welcome to Reflections, the show from Torch Trust that focuses on faith and disability in today's world. I'm your host, Marilyn Baker, and we'll be with you for the next half hour. Today, we're going to explore the life of a very well-known Christian who lived a long time ago. I wonder if this song will give you a clue as to who it is. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. song, you'll know that today we're focusing on St. Francis of Assisi. The song we heard, sang beautifully there by Sarah McLachlan, is known as the Prayer of St. Francis, although there's no certainty that St. Francis actually wrote these words at all. Whether he did or not, it's certainly a lovely prayer for peace, and we hope you enjoyed listening to it. But now it's time to explore the life of this famous saint and we're joined today by Torch CEO Tim Jeffrey, who spoke with our producer Grace about his own personal explorations into the life of St Francis. Tim, thank you so much for joining me today. Now, um, obviously you've, you've been on a pilgrimage to Assisi. Why is that? Why St Francis? Well, there are an awful lot of saints to choose from, aren't there? Mm. Um, it always amazes me how many uh, saints there have been over the years. But St. Francis has been one of those people that for years, decades probably, I've been fascinated by. He's always seemed to me to be somebody who was absolutely wholehearted in his faith, um, uncompromising uh, to such an extreme degree. Um, and, and that's always intrigued and fascinated and challenged me, actually, in terms of the way that he lived his faith. 
And so I've read over the years, read books about St. Francis and always thought one day, one day I want to go to Assisi. And I found that a, a friend of mine um, was leading uh, pilgrimages, uh, had done a couple and, and was doing another one to Assisi. And so I spoke to my wife about it and, and we signed up and said, come on, let's let's do it. Let's go to where Francis lived in Italy um, and really kind of look at the story and really sort of feel and appreciate and see the the sort of place that it was, um, the countryside around. Uh, and and so we did. So last year in 2022, uh, we spent about 10 days uh, in and around Assisi and it, it totally lived up to our expectations um, of 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 going and of really understanding St Francis more and more and being able to to really kind of get into his story I suppose. Can you just set the scene for us a little in terms of what is that area of Italy like? Yeah so this is central Italy um, so Umbria and it's a beautiful landscape so lots of lots of quite big hills and mountains um, with valleys so imagine valleys that are sort of populated have got towns in and, and vineyards and fields in the in the valleys and then um, very often sort of quite wooded um, mountains sort of surrounding the valleys so it's it's very picturesque place um, with some amazing old towns so this is kind of medieval Italy with um, towns perched on the tops of hills for, for their own uh, protection with walls around them and, and Assisi is one of those so it's built on a on a kind of spur of a hill um, and, and very steep roads in Assisi itself um, and with a big wall that goes all the way around the city, a castle up on top above it. Um, and as you approach Assisi, as you drive towards it, one of the things you notice is this huge church, this basilica of St. Francis that sort of stuck out on one end. It's a real, um, you know, it's a real kind of um, uh, high point, I suppose, on, on the landscape. Wow, it sounds breathtaking. <laughs> And I imagine being somewhere like that, it, it makes it easier to, to feel more connected to St. Francis to kind of bring it all alive. Um, did you did you find that? Yes, very much so. There's something isn't there about sort of treading the, 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 the streets that somebody like that um, went through themselves of, of going up into the hills where Francis would would go and and take himself away and, and live in a cave and just live in in silence and solitude and praying and so going up into some of those hills um, and and being in those caves and being in the woodland and experiencing the creatures and the wind in the trees um, and the views that he would have had absolutely brought the the whole story of his life home um, and also, I think, you know, you can hear the name of a place, can't you? So one of the famous places in his life was the Portiuncula. There's an interesting name. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, I kind of had heard about it and read about it, but actually going and seeing and seeing where it was in the valley. And although the trees, it was surrounded by woodland in Francis Day, although all of that's gone and there's a, a town all around it, you kind of get a sense of the... Um, 
the 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 valleys and the hills and the way that sort of people lived uh, in that time and and therefore when it talks about a journey that Francis made from one place to another you know you have a sense of what that meant and in walking we were there in September so walking up some steep hills uh, you know in the midday when it was warm mm. you have that sense of yeah this is you know this is quite hard work and we'll be hearing more from Tim later in the show. I've been digging into the Torch Library catalogue to see what I can find out about St Francis, and I'd like to share an extract with you now. This is from the book The Age of Knights and Friars, Popes and Reformers by Lee Churchill, which is available to borrow from Torch in Braille and audio. Francis was the son of a merchant in the Italian town of Assisi. Like other wealthy young men about town, he had a great taste for fine food, expensive clothes, and a good party. He lavished money on his own amusements, but he was also very generous in a haphazard sort of way. In short, the merchant's son had little appreciation of the value of money. Francis naturally was trained by his father in the family business. In Francis's late teens, however, Assisi went to war with the city of Perugia, and Francis had a brief career as a soldier. He was captured by the enemy and spent about a year in prison, but, far from finding his taste for warfare lessened by this experience, by the time of his release, Francis's thoughts had turned wholly to the life of chivalry. Once back in Assisi, Francis purchased a fine new set of clothes suitable for a young knight. As he walked through the town, daydreaming of the glories of war, Francis happened to meet with a half-naked old beggar, whom he recognized as a bankrupt knight. Surely this was no just fate for a fellow cavalier. Take them, cover yourself. Almost before he knew what he was doing, Francis was stripping off his finery and handing it to the beggar. The following night Francis had a pleasing dream. He saw a room filled with weapons of war, coats of mail, and military banners, each imprinted with the sign of the cross. All these, said a voice, are for yourself and your knights. Even more convinced that his future lay in bloody warfare, Francis set out for a nearby trouble spot in the hope of winning distinction in battle and achieving knighthood. On the way, however, he had another vivid dream. A firm voice commanded his return to Assisi, and Francis felt compelled to obey. The soldier's path is not for you. The party seen in Assisi began to pale on Francis. He became vague and dreamy, and his friends decided that he must be falling in love. In a way, they were right. Francis's acts of charity became even more profuse. His was now real charity, real heartfelt concern for others. He began reaching out in love to all around him, regardless of the cost. I got a story to build the high. I was a blind man wandering until I saw the light. Yeah, I got a story I can't deny. I'm a living, breathing miracle, and I just gotta testify. Hey. Hey. 
jovial young man had never before come close to the lepers of Assisi. It had often caused him a twinge of guilt, but he could not help a natural fear and repugnance of the highly contagious and revolting disease. In his own words, I would skirt the lepers' houses by a good two miles, and even at that range would plug my nose. Now, however, even this spiritual barrier came down. As he trotted through a valley, the moment of trial approached. "'God bless you, brother,' said Francis, descending from his horse. Transported by fearful joy, and feeling a great throb of freedom within, Francis kissed the leprous beggar's outstretched hand, and filled it with gold. He had stepped into the unknown. Francis' thinking was in turmoil. He was in Rome on his father's business soon after, and when he visited St. Peter's he was struck by the small donations being made by the worshippers. Impulsively he threw a fistful of money into the collection box as he left. A group of beggars were seated on the steps outside, and Francis offered to swap his clothes with one of them. Dressed in the beggar's rags, the merchant took a place with the paupers on the steps, and spent the day begging bread. His charity had become so impulsive as to be a madness. When Francis returned to Assisi, the changes in him were apparent to all. The festive life was forever abandoned. Francis neglected his work, and spent his days in lonely places in prayer and reflection. He had gained in spiritual understanding, 
but he had lost his old joy. A new one had not yet dawned on him. One day he was praying in an old broken-down church dedicated to Peter Damiani, when it seemed that he heard a voice from the cross upon the wall. Behold, my house in ruins! Go and restore it for me. Yes, Lord. The implications of these words were totally unknown to Francis. He immediately seized the most obvious meaning, and was convinced that Christ had commanded the repair of St. Damiani's. What could he do? Francis took several bales of cloth from his father's warehouse, sold these in the town, and then took the money to the priest of the run-down church. How did you come by this money? The priest, hearing the truth, refused the offering. Francis tossed the money-bag into a dusty corner and left. Francis's father now went on the war-path. He began a search for the runaway thief, and Francis only evaded him by hiding for a few days in a nearby cave. Francis passed his time in prayer, and he soon found a new peace welling up inside until perfect love cast out fear. Francis returned to town. His eccentric change of life had not gone unnoticed by his neighbours, and his appearance in the streets created a stir. "'Fruitcake!' It was a stall-holder tossing a stone at him. Madman! Soon Francis was being chased through the streets, pelted and insulted by all and sundry. His father came out to see the cause of the commotion, and when he saw that it was Francis, his indignation and shame overpowered any sense of pity. He beat his son, put him in chains, and locked him away in a cellar. When the merchant went away on business a few days later, Francis's mother secretly aided her son's escape. It was an act of love, but it was also an act of severance. He was released, never to return. Now let's go back to Tim Jeffrey to learn more about Saint Francis of Assisi. So spiritually, what did you what did you take from this trip? What did you kind of experience there on a spiritual level? So for me, it was very much this sense of here was this guy who um, was a son of one of the richest families in Assisi. Um, him and his friends would go around and, and have lots of parties and so on. And his kind of move from that to being a hermit and somebody who gave up all of their privilege. Um, there, there was a point in his story, a really real turning point, where he had given away some of his father, who was a cloth merchant, some of his father's cloth to somebody poor so that they could feed themselves. And his his father was really outraged by this and, and so effectively disowned him. And so Francis strips off all his clothes, literally down to his kind of underwear, um, and dumps at his father's feet and says, there you are, I am God's now. I'm, I'm not, you know, not going to be beholden to you any longer. I'm, I must follow what I feel God is calling me to do. So there's a there's a, a part in the Bible where the, the writers of the Gospels have brought together Jesus's kind of core teaching in how to live. We, we call it the Sermon on the Mount quite often. And what I think Francis did was he, he took that Sermon on the Mount, those kind of core teachings of Jesus and said, right, I'm not going to imagine that this is impossible. I'm not going to say, well, I'm sure God doesn't really mean that we should live like this. I'm going to take this seriously and I'm going to live this way. And so I am going to live as simply as I possibly can. I am going to give away what I have 
to the poor and serve the poorest in society. And and so Francis really put his life on the line um, and and just tried to live as as much as he could the, the way that he, he felt Jesus um, would live and, and would want us to live. And I think for me, it was that sense of that challenge, really, about how wholehearted am I? You know, whatever it is we believe in, whatever it is we follow, am I doing it in in a kind of, you know, yeah, just a kind of it's it's quite important, but it's, you know, I can take it or leave it. Or are we doing it in a really wholehearted, dedicated way? And And that, for me, I suppose, has been part of the... The, the journey of my life um, from a spiritual perspective, how much of, can I really live this faith out? Um, and and so Francis's encouragement and learning about his life and, and being there and seeing and hearing about and really appreciating the things that he did really made me um, want to kind of throw myself even more wholeheartedly, I suppose, into my into my faith. Um, the, the other, interestingly, the other thing um, that for me that happened was that whilst the churches and the buildings were all very beautiful and all of that, actually it was the woods and it was the high places and it was the caves. It was the natural environment where Francis would go to sort of really experience God's presence. And it was that that was probably the strongest experience for me and a real sense of actually in order to be able to serve other people, to be living a life that I believe is the right way of living, I've got to be able to withdraw, to have times when I'm just alone and alone with God and really sort of recharging batteries and listening um, to the voice of God. So one year on from your trip, how would you look back at it now? What are some of the ways that it's kind of had a lasting effect on you, perhaps? I think one of them would be that desire um, to to be going and, and, and the practice of going out into um, nature more. Mm. So one of the things my wife and I have done is we had some woodland near us and we found a little tree or a big tree with a kind of a place where we call it our prayer cave um, to go and sit in in the wild with the birds and the animals and the rustlings in the undergrowth and sometimes the rain um, and just spend time in in quiet um, being sort of restored and, and being open to God's presence so, so that's one of the things I think that is a lasting thing um, this coming year, we are going to Bardsey Island, which is an island off the north coast of Wales, tiny little island, but a very um, a, a very key place for Celtic spirituality. So there's only more saints buried there than anywhere else in the world, or in the UK at least. Um, and uh, we're going on retreat. And it's the sort of place where you have to take everything with you. There's no running water, no electricity. You take all your food for the week. Um, on the on the ferry that takes you over um, and then you're stranded on this island uh, for a week uh, and so that's a direct doing that this year for a week in May is a direct result of our, our sense together my wife and I that actually being away in the wild from mobile phone signals and email and all those things actually is a key part of our um, spiritual 
growth, our, our ability then to come back and serve other people and to to live in the kind of way that we would want to be living. So, so yeah, so um, several things really. And I continue to read books about Francis. I continue to find his life fascinating and learn from it and the way that other people have um, tried to uh, follow his way really. Um, so that's, I, I still have books on my bookshelf. I'm reading one at the moment called The Footprints of Francis, um, which is very interesting. Um, so yeah, so it's a, it's, it's having an ongoing impact.
by Marty Hogan. And those words are inspired by a prayer written by St. Francis himself. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you'd like to learn more about any of the services provided by Torch Trust, including our lending library of accessible books, our holidays for blind and partially sighted people, or our ongoing virtual Lent course, which is open to all, then do get in touch. The number to call is 01858 438 260, or you can email info at torchtrust.org. We're also on social media. Just search for Torch Trust on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Why not leave a comment, question or song request for us? We love hearing from our listeners, so do get in touch. I'll be back next week with more, but until then, from me, Marilyn and everyone on the Reflections team, goodbye and God bless. You've been listening to Reflections from Torch Trust.